It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. In a society that is shaped by division, to follow the way of Jesus is a, is a revolutionary act. And so we're trying to find those people who are going against culture and really bringing people together in peacemaking and fi- building bridges in understanding and helping us flourish when there's so much decay and things are in, 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 in so much battlegrounds. And so we're, we're excited to have in studio today Robert Vera. Robert Vera is the director of the Grand Canyons University School of Innovation. He had a 20-year career in the banking industry and then took a leap of faith to following his dream to become an entrepreneur. Um, Robert is also the author of the best-selling book, A Warrior's Faith, a num- Amazon number one bestseller, and has uh, developed a trademark speaking program. He uh, speaks on uh, topics re- directly related to the, the military and veterans and uh, helping veterans. And uh, Robert is also married and with two children and lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you, Robert, for joining me today. It's great to be here, Jonathan. I've been really looking forward to this. So thanks well, for having me. Well, no pressure. But so I, the, I just want to – there's two things. One, how do you cope with not being able to accomplish anything in your life? Yeah. Um, so it's – you know, people say, wow, you, you've done a lot. Well, it seems like a lot, but it's, you know, it's zigzags, right? So. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's been a great journey. I wouldn't trade it all. There's been a lot of failures, a lot of sure. sort of knockdowns and get back up, but it's been great. And I have the privilege of, I, you know, every day I wake up in the morning and it's taken me a long time to get here, but I love what I do every day, mm. whether it's writing books or working at Grand Canyon University Center for Innovation. I just love doing both. And I can't, I, I have to do both, right? Because right. one is the creative side of it. Yeah. And one is the, the sort of business side of it, which still has a creative function right. to it. but. I just love doing both. You don't fit in one box like you you have one one hat that you wear. Yeah, I, I think these days, you know, it's it's I, I just, you know, I love to write. Yeah. And um you know, a, a lot of people say, you know, I, I want to write a book. Until you write a book, you know what I mean? It, you don't know how much it takes, how much yeah. effort. And I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he's like, "You know, I'm so exhausted at the end of a writing session." Mhm. Because what happens is that when you, and you you probably know this when you you don't necessarily sit down to write you write when you're hiking right you write when you're doing other things mm. you take notes on those things you're always thinking about it always thinking right at three o'clock in the morning you yeah. wake up and you know <laughs> you you write and then you sit down to craft to wordsmith this story right right and. It is exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I love doing it. So, Warrior's Faith launched in 2015, and um, I just finished um, my. uh, It'll be my third book, um, fourth if you count a ghostwriting effort, but uh, um, called Perfectly Wounded, and that launched um, on June uh, 9th, and it um, uh, hit out of 8.1 million books on Amazon, hit number five. That's incredible. Yeah, and it's still up there. And I, I, I think it made the New York Times. I don't know if it made the New York Times bestsellers, but I'll know in two weeks. If in two weeks. Wow. So this. So why write this? You know, you wrote a warrior's faith. 
So yeah. just a quick description, why that, and then why do something that is it this, a similar thread or similar topic or something very different? Yeah. So so let me give you a little background on a, on a warrior's faith. Um, those of you in the audience who have seen the movie or read the book American Sniper mm-hmm. will know um, my friend Ryan Job as Biggles. He was the Navy SEAL that was shot on the rooftop in Ramadi, Iraq. Ironically, he was shot on August 6th. Uh, I'm sorry, August 2nd, 2006. So just yes. this is uh, the anniversary. It was a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, uh, the movie version of American Sniper has Ryan um, passing several days after he was wounded. However, in real life, uh, he lived here in mm. Scottsdale, Arizona, wow. not far from me. Mm. Um, I got a call one day from a friend. I hadn't seen it. Talk about a God thing, right? So yeah. I got a call one day from a friend. Um, I hadn't seen it in about 20 years since college. My roommate in college um, said, I'd like to come out and see you in Arizona. I just got back from Iraq. Uh, he's in the Navy. Came out to to see me. I introduced him to a few people. Um, one of the people I introduced him to later emailed me and said, does your, does your friend know another person in the Navy named Ryan Job?" And um, – and I'm thinking to myself, you know, there's 320,000 people in the right. Room. That's a lot. in fact, my friend has never been to Arizona and doesn't know anybody in Arizona except for me. And so I kind of discounted it, and I just asked him. I said, "Hey, do you know a guy named Ryan Job?" And he jumped out of his chair. He's like, "He was my swim buddy in Buds. I've not seen Ryan Job. This is in 2008." He said, "I've not seen Ryan Job since 2002." We've been, you know, I went to oh. SWIC, another division. He went to the SEAL teams. Right. I haven't seen him. Where is he? So apparently, you know two people. Right. Arizona. So um, wow. the next day we went and saw Ryan. We met him uh, for overpriced coffee in Scottsdale. Yeah, sure. And, um, and Ryan with, with his guide dog, and he told us this, this story about um, how on August 2nd, 2006, him and Chris Kyle on a rooftop in, in uh, south central Ramadi, Iraq. Um, it was in the morning. Ryan was positioned on the... Um, east side of the roof and was covering the street below, which his SEAL team was working, um, clearing buildings. Um, the sun had risen. Um, it was a sort of an overcast day, but a, a bright day. Um, he was uh, facing into the sun. Chris Kyle, the, the subject of American Sniper, right. the movie and the book, was um, was on the uh, opposite side, the west side of the roof, covering the, the street. And all of a sudden, a shot rang out. And... Um, you know, Chris called over to Ryan to see if he was okay. Ryan was unresponsive. Chris called down to the team. Um, they, they reported back they're okay. Chris called to Ryan again. Ryan didn't respond. Um, Chris ran across the roof, turned Ryan over, and saw the right side of Ryan's face was gone. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, he had been um, badly wounded, called down for a medic. The medic literally saved his life. Um, fast forward, Ryan tells us all this, you know, while sipping coffee, right? Like, you know, no big deal. And then right. he says to me, Hey, I, I heard you. You know, you started. You, you're an entrepreneur. You started this company. You like to do Ironman triathlons, right? And climb. Would you like to climb Mount Rainier with me? And I'm thinking to myself, he must know he's blind. You know what I mean? He's got a dot. <laughs> so uh, I said, sure, Ryan, let's do this. So my friend left, um, and Ryan and I started a relationship that lasted uh, to the day he died. Um, mm. We, I would pick him up for his house. We go train together. He was, uh, he had, was earning his undergraduate degree. He had, he had left school to go on the SEALs teams. Um, was earning his undergraduate degree, um, so he was going to school, training. He was married at the time um, and just living a normal life. I mean, mm-hmm. it, he was blind, but it was, um, you know, it was just really more of an inconvenience than a disability to him. Huh. Just, just, not only was he blind, right. he was missing an eye. Right. But just did everything. He had such an amazing um, sort of attitude about things. 
um, he was different. And you can tell a Christian when they're different, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't major in the minor. Um, but we talked a little bit about before the show about, you know, the, the counterculture and what's right. counter. And one of the things we talked about was this concept of forgiveness, right? I, I mean, he didn't necessarily hold a grudge against the people that, that shot him. Interesting. Um, he, yeah. He did, you know, just like, hey, that they were doing their thing. They were doing right. – right. And I was – right. So, um, you know, one of the things we talked about is like, you know, you know, forgiveness. And um, I think he had forgiven a lot of the, the sort of the, what happened. He, he, didn't, he didn't hold a grudge against anybody. Mm. Um, you know, curious enough, you know, when he returned, he, he was trying to sort of bridge the, the, together his family again. You know, he'd been married and estranged from his, from his father. And one of the things we talked about in terms of forgiveness, which is counter to our culture, right? Absolutely. Right. Hold grudges, make enemies, divide. Li- it is. And, and, and I say to people all the time, all evil has to do, all the devil has to do is divide. Mm-hmm. It's an easy job, right? Just mm-hmm. divide and people do the rest. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we talked about this, this idea of forgiveness. And um, I, I love the quote that Mark Twain has is that um, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet leaves on the heel that has crushed it. Mm. And, um, and I said, Brian, you know, forgiveness is for you, not for them, right? Mm-hmm. So that idea was really powerful. And he was able to reconcile with his father who had um, prior to his death, prior to Ryan's death, um, which I think was really sort of proof of Ryan's true transformation into the Christian wow. faith. Uh, so when Ryan passed, and I'll, and I'll talk a little bit about that later, when Ryan passed, it was really the way he died. Um, he came back here, survived everything. So many people risked their lives, including Chris Kyle, to save Ryan. The way he died was really tough for me to accept. Mm. And I just wanted to chronicle sort of his life. In The book is really about transformation. Ryan is the subject of it. Ryan is the okay. But the book is really about transformation. And I really wanted to chronicle the time that I spent with him and to talk about how his transformed life tra- helped to transform, in, in effect, a lot of other people's lives, including my path. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I saw a lot of things there. I had already been on a – you know, I would taken a leap of faith to become an entrepreneur. Sure. There was a lot of transformation already happening. So we just met at a perfect time. Um, but his life, his transformed life inspired others to transform. Mm. And what I mean by that, and this, this is sort of the counterculture, right? Um, people confuse change and transformation. So what's the difference in your mind? Great question. So change is that, you know, it's more like, ah, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to wear a blue shirt today. I'm going to wear a black shirt. You know what I mean? Um, one, one is more evolution. You're just doing the same things um, but, but kind of just a different way. Um, you know, and here's the way I describe it. You can't do the same things over and over again and expect a different result. I right. mean, I think Einstein called that insanity. Transformation is more revolution than evolution. Jesus wants you, you know, to follow him. That means, hey, you got to throw all that other mm. stuff, but you need to let it all go. Right, right. We're not doing that anymore, right? You're not, you know, when you say, I'm, I'm you know, people who try to, you know, stop doing something. Look, we, they don't, you don't do a little of it. You just stop cold turkey. You go somewhere else, right? So transformation is more revolution than evolution. Right. So totally different operating system here. Mm. We're going to think a totally different way. We're going to do the opposite, the counter. So, so if, if someone's born again, that's, an, that's a transforming 
an analogy. That's you, not a, a, an evolutionary aspect. You've That's been a total, transformed. You've been transformed. When, when you're born again in, the, in, the, in Jesus Christ, right, um, the cornerstone of your faith is forgiveness. You've been forgiven, right? Yes. And, and how can you not now forgive somebody else? Holding, holding a grudge doesn't work, right? Um, so that's the idea that Jesus transforms through his relationship, mm. right? That's the idea. And if you can get that and live it, it's an adventure. Mm. It, it's challenging. I mean, it's, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. In theory, it sounds great. But when it actually comes down to your own family growing up, your own, the, your own children, you know, the people who really hurt you, yeah, it's, it's yeah, a big it's, deal. It's, um, it's the most challenging endeavor you'll ever undertake because yeah. it's daily. It's every second. Mm-hmm. And remember, um, the the opposition only has one goal to divide, yeah. right? So and it's easier to do that. But it's the most Christ-like. It is the most it Christ-like. It is the most Christ-like. Yeah. If you can do that, if you can do that and practice it over and over again, um, you know, it gets easier to do that. You've got to exercise that muscle. Mm. Right? But that's, that's transformation. In Ryan's life, he was transformed. Um, through that. So how could someone could co- someone go to Amazon and get your book? Yeah, Warriors Fates of Bell launched in 2015. Okay. Um, it um, you know, hit uh, number one um, in categories on Amazon. It's, it's done really, really well. One of the things that, you know, I didn't write it for that reason, by the right. way. But I wrote it because I thought to myself, you know, if one person can be transformed by Ryan's life, that, that it has been all worth it. And, um, you know, there's been thousands of people that I've got since, you know, 2015 yeah. emails. And wow. it's been just a, a great um, – Launched a whole new chapter in your life. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'll talk a little bit about sort of some of the people that, that saved Ryan the Roof. They were – so one of the guys is named John Kim. Um, I call him Tommy in the book. He was the medic that saved Ryan. And, and John and I are very good friends. I've known him now since Ryan right. – since before Ryan passed. John saved his life on the roof. He was a medic from, from Los Angeles, California. You know, grew up in Koreatown, just a great guy. When he dropped Ryan off um, to Charlie Medical where Ryan got treated, you know, Johnny went through buds with Ryan. They were good mm-hmm. friends. Johnny stood um, covered in Ryan's blood and said, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do with my life? Um, he was inspired at that point to finish his undergraduate. He finished part of it while he was still on deployment in Iraq mm-hmm. um, at UCS, uh, UCSD. He graduated there, applied, became a Pat Tillman scholar applied to Harvard Medical School, was accepted, graduated from Harvard Medical School and called me and said, um, you know, I think I need to do more. I said, Johnny, <laughs> your, uh, your parents must be so disappointed. Right. <laughs> You're a physician, a Navy SEAL. Um, he said, um, I know you, you, um, you've climbed with a few with an astronaut. Would you be willing to introduce me to him? I want to go to NASA to be an astronaut. <laughs> Today, John Kim is astronaut John Kim. He tra- traces his evolution and revolution to Ryan Jope, mm. inspired him to do all of that. Um, so those are some of the people that were part of Ryan's um, life who he inspired. Um, but the book did really well, so it's still available on Amazon yeah. as Warrior's Faith. Yeah. And, uh, and the title of your new, your new book is? Perfectly Wounded. Perfectly it's about Wounded. Another Navy SEAL. Curious enough, that Navy SEAL's name is Mike Day. And um, in 2010, we did a climb of Mount Rainier. I led a climb of Mount Rainier in honor of Ryan Job, And Mike was one of the guys on that okay. climb. That's how we first met. Oh, fantastic. But uh, yeah, so, so kind of full circle. Tune in. You know, just, uh, do a search on Amazon for Robert Vera, A Warrior's Faith. 
and perf- or perfectly wounded and and check those out they sound they're fantastic i've heard a little more of the background behind the book and it, it's worth a good worth a read worth your time uh, if you're just tuning in you're listening to counterculture with jonathan sanborn we have in studio robert vera uh, director of the um, gcu's school of innovation uh, so we actually – before we get into that, I just, we like to play a little game just so we, you're not just like this some author superhero guy who's out there. Like we, I, we play a game. It's called Fake News. And so you say something that maybe is true and then something that's maybe not true about – and I try to guess which one's which. OK. OK? Um, but don't put them in order, however order you want. OK. I play the piano. You play the piano. True or false? Well, you have to – the, you, then you say, which, say something else and then I'll try to guess. OK. I play the piano or I um, – I play the guitar. You play the, oh. <laughs> oh man. See, okay, I'm going to say you play the piano is fake news. Correct, fake news. You play guitar. Okay. Yeah. Whew. So I, and I'm not I'm not great at the guitar. No, either. you're not great at the guitar <laughs> either. <laughs> Were you one of those like youth guys who could just play the three chords, do the songs? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty much me too. Um do uh, you want to do another one? No. Oh, that's good. That's okay. good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so let's go to GCU. Okay. I want to hear about that. This is this is um, not very often you hear a, a, a Christian university create a school of innovation. So why would GCU develop the school of innovation? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think that you know school has changed, right? So college has changed. We have a huge student debt crisis. The reason why we have a student student debt crisis is that graduating students can't find jobs, right, mm-hmm. to pay back their debt. Right. Um, so Grand Canyon University, it's by the way, it's now the largest Christian school in the in the world. We really, have, uh, twenty-two thousand students on campus, which campuses thirty-fifth Avenue and Camelback. Okay. Um, and uh, 80,000 online. Okay. Um, so Grand Canyon University wanted to give real currency to their education. They said, look, you know, here's what we'd like to do. Um, we want to be able to bring our students here, but we want to be able to bring to, – to, for them as students to have access to professional opportunities, work opportunities as students. We want to give them professional experience prior to graduating. So what we want to do is you, mm. we'd like for you to head – our innovation center. We call it Canyon Ventures, the school of innovation, right? We'd like for you to head this. We want you to go and identify and bring in startups from across Arizona, but find them here that want to stay here with us and grow in the West Valley. Mm. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to bring them in and their rent is covered. Their internet is covered. Their parking is covered. All of it's covered. Everything's covered. What we'd like to be able to do is the only requirement we have is for them to hire our students. Okay. Um, we started – curious enough, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary. So August 26, 2019 is when we started. We're almost a year in. We have over 30 ventures there, hiring 94 students to date. Um, we're growing amazing companies out of there. We have companies that – I'll give you one example. Um, we've got uh, – iCalQ is a company that's a startup here. They make a laboratory out of a cell phone. They're currently working with us to do a COVID-19 test on your cell phone that gives you results in 10 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Take a picture. We have another company, uh, a a student-run company. There's 22,000 kids on campus. Right. He developed an electric longboard company, and he sells them to the – Those long skateboards. Long skateboards. They're electric, and he sells them to the 22,000 kids on campus, including me. That's all right. You you own one? Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, fantastic. Well, that seems like such a a, a no-brainer. Like you just – that needs to be happening, and and a lot of students often graduate with – both debt and no feeling like they don't have the right skills. They have a lot of theory and and, uh, and experience, but they don't have the experience. So why? What? So now let's just talk about this. A Christian university and business. How should our faith 
inform what kind of businesses are coming out of the School of Innovation? Yeah, I think that, you know, we have the luxury of, look, for me, it's about hearts and minds, right? Mm -hmm. So we have the luxury of influencing this young generation about how to treat each other in the workplace. You know, um, look, my feeling is I'm an unapologetic capitalist, right? Right. More more people have been lifted out of poverty through entrepreneurism and capitalism than any other other Mm -hmm. economic system on the planet. Right. Um, so I don't want to apologize for that, right? right I want to right. promote it. Um, but GCU says, look, there's a place for faith in your business. There's companies out there. We have two Chick-fil-A's. Out of the 31 restaurants on campus, we have two Chick-fil-A's. The highest grossing Chick-fil-A in Arizona is on our campus. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but the, and, I won't and, tell my daughters. They'll, they'll want to go to GCU. <laughs> and it's the highest grossing and they're open on Sunday. Oh, right? my goodness. But it, there's, there's a culture there that we try to create. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, uh, not only in business, but um, but the the campus we have twenty two thousand kids on campus plus the faculty and staff and our you know all our staff all our team members there. On on Mondays we close the campus and there's no classes at eleven o'clock. We all go to the arena to chapel. Okay, together, mm-hmm. right? We pray before meals. I mean, it's a culture there. Now we take that into the workplace, right? So when we when we are in the workplace, we pl- we pray before our meetings. Right. We pray after our meetings. Right. We pray for the people that are there, you know, mm. with us. We pray for our competition. Yes. Yeah. So um, and then I think this is the perfect place. Um, GCU practices what's called servant leadership, meaning we're doing this for others, right? Mm-hmm. And conscious capitalism. There's more to it than profits, you know. Right. Yes. So those are the two things that we try to equip our young leaders with and send them out into the world to change the world, to transform business, right? Mm-hmm. To do the right thing. Because here's what happens. We'll be the example. That's what Christ wants us to do, be the shining city on that hill, right? Mm-hmm. We'll be the example. That's the counterculture, right? Right. So that's what we hope to do. And you know what? It's been uh, – we've got a great team that's worked together to pull this off. It's been a huge success up to this point. We're not even a year in. 30 ventures there. That's We're fantastic. growing. Um, some of those companies, you, you've, you've already heard about them in the news. I've been on uh, the news here. So it's going really well. I'm hoping that other Christian universities do the same. It seems like a great model, and I think if you know any any entrepreneurial spark I would see in my own children, I would love to encourage them in some direction like that. The world needs innovation now, and it's inter- but it's rarely that we hear it being encouraged coming out of the Christian community. So why do we need Christian innovation? Yeah, I mean, I think that to put faith included in the innovation, right? It just sets things up differently, right? And when you when you come into GCU, you feel there's something different. What is that, right? And it's because people care about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when we talk about conscious capitalism and Christian, um, uh, Christian university creating companies, um, they, we think about things differently, mm-hmm. right? We think about where if we make these profits, where can we bring them to? Mm. You'll, you'll probably have a guest on your show. I'm sure you know Jonathan Cottrell. Yes. Like his big thing is that he wants to be successful so he can give back to his community. Yes. So he can plant more in his community. That's right. the motivation. I think that's different. No one at GCU, especially the people that I work with, none of us is sitting around talking about Lamborghinis or new right. homes or anything. Status. That. And, We're right. talking about, hey, how can we plant new businesses in our West Valley community? That's right. the difference. That's where the investment, the profits go back into that community. And that's true servant leadership, right? Mm, it's so needed today in the 
the cutthroat there's the cutthroat capitalism but there's also but we need profits we need we need resources and especially when we're, we're designing projects that are you're testing for covid yeah. i mean talk about a christ like cause yeah. of, of saving lives and serving others that's fantastic. Yeah, it's really – I mean I'm proud to serve with the people there. I mean it's a great group of Christian leaders. So it's it's great to be there and to see this happening and being embraced by not only the people inside of GCU but outside of GCU. The whole community – I mean we have other universities. ASU students come and work with us. We work with them. We've got a huge community. It's a fabric mm. of support that comes together to bring this together. Now here, here's why it's important. I think that Arizona for many for, – for, for a long time has gotten a bad rap about there's no talent. I think that really affects economic growth here because companies don't want to move here. We've proven that that's wrong now. Yeah. We have tech talent. We have talent. And there's a lot of talent in Arizona. So companies are now coming here. Coming here. They're seeing the opportunities. The, cost. Yeah. Great talent. They're seeing the opportunities. GCU, ASU, the cooperation. Fantastic. So if someone wanted to learn more about GCU – how would they find out? Yeah, you can go to gcuworks.com or just visit GCU and there's more information about us there. It's, okay, Grand Canyon University. Fantastic. I was really encouraged. I remember when, the, when, when it opened and I was excited to get be around it a little bit and exciting to see. This is Kingdom Work and I really think you're, you're on to something great. Thank you for hearing about your, your, the books you've been writing, the God, God's journey in your life. And thank you for telling us what's going on at GCU and the School of Innovation. That you've been listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org.